Good morning. Excited to be here as always. Anybody else excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah? Amen. Hey, gotta, I got to tell you guys something that uh, it, every now and then I reflect on it while I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in a worship setting. And, and I really pay a lot of close attention to the song lyrics. Does anybody else like really pay attention to the song lyrics? A few of y'all? Yeah? Yeah? That's about half the room. That's good. Uh, I, I want to tell you why I pay attention to the song lyrics. So, because it matters what we're singing. Matters what we're singing, because what we're singing is what we're saying we believe. In the songs this morning, we're particularly edgy. I don't know if anybody else got that edgy vibe from, from worship this morning, but the first song, straight out the gate, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Everybody in the house, hands up in the air and singing it, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's huge. My question for you is, is do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because here's the deal, this, this gospel that, that we talk about here every Sunday, my, one of my biggest fears in all of life is that we get so used to hearing the gospel that it's just like, it doesn't matter anymore, right? I ride planes all the time. I, I'm constantly traveling. What my, my other job involves me, me flying a lot to different places. We do flood insurance adjusting, so when, when places get hit real bad with hurricanes and floods, we go down there and, and try to help get everything you know, back situated, figure out how much money it's going to take to get everybody back on their feet. So we're all the time in planes, several times a year, back and forth. It's kind of the nature of the business. But here's something about flying that just aggravates me to no end, is that every time, no matter how many times I'm on a plane, I don't get like a VIP card that allows me to not have to listen to the flight safety instructions, Right? I understand how the buckle works. I understand my cushion can be used as a flotation device. I understand that in the issue of cabin pressure, there's these masks that's going to fall from the ceiling. I even know that I need to put on my mask before I help anyone else. I get it, right? And so I've heard these things so many times and, and, and understand that in the, if, if this plane goes down, those instructions are a really big deal. Everyone agree? Right? But I've been on so many planes that it's just like, oh, my gosh, this again. My fear is that we in the church treat the gospel that way sometimes. Is that we're sitting in these seats, we're hearing this gospel over and over and over again, and it's just like, oh man, here, here we go again. There is nothing more important in your eternal life than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing. There is nothing. And so we sit and we sing these songs and my prayer is, is that we just believe what we're singing. I pray that you do believe in the God who spoke everything into existence. And I pray that you believe that you love Jesus and that Jesus loves you. I pray that when you were singing that, that it was reflected in your heart. Because if you believe in Jesus and you believe in that God who spoke everything into existence, and you actually believe that he became flesh and came and dwelt among us and gave his life for you, you believe that. And that matters. And it matters that we can raise a hallelujah in the presence of our enemies. Because here's what I'm telling you I see all the time. I'm not telling you this. Understand that everything I'm telling you this morning, everything, everything that we preach from this pulpit here at the River of Life Church is spoken in love. I guarantee it. There will never be a person take this stage and speak any gospel truth to you from a position of arrogance. This is not, look at how much I know, look at how little you know. This is, I want you to understand that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And for you to fully grasp that, for you to fully walk in everything Jesus has for you, there are some essential truths you need to lay hold of. And I'm telling you guys that this gospel is the most important thing that you'll ever encounter in your entire life. And we can raise a hallelujah in the presence of our enemies. But a lot of times I see Christians in the presence of the enemy afraid. Not raising a hallelujah. And we had another song. It says, even in the battle I won't be overcome. In the water I won't be overcome. There's nothing that the world can throw at me. Nothing the enemy can throw at me that I cannot overcome because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. And we sing that and we rejoice in it. And it's absolute truth. But sometimes in the actual reality of our life when we separate ourselves from this building and we're walking on a Tuesday at work and things got messy, Sometimes we get afraid. Maybe we went to the doctor, we got some bad news. Sometimes we get afraid. I'm telling you that the Spirit of God in you has overcome all of that. 
He will not overcome it. He has overcame it already, past tense. It is finished to tell us die. This is what we teach here. It's already been done. It's already been done. Uh, my name is Andrew Skull. I am the youth pastor here. I'm from a little town uh, called DeVille, DeVille, Louisiana. That's right outside of Pineville and Alexandria. If you've ever been to the big city, that's me. Um, and so uh, I, uh, I grew up in a church. Uh, it was a good church. I, I, I made my, my walk down the aisle at about seven years old. Uh, because they were passing juice and crackers to people that accepted Jesus, and I wanted in some of that action. And so, raised my hand, made the walk, got baptized. I've had juice and crackers ever since. And, uh, and amen, right? Anyone else got the juice and crackers? And, uh, but, you know, I didn't really come to understand the gospel till much later. And so, I, I'm walking in this uh, version of truth that is an actual truth, and I'm not seeing any positive results in my life. Um, because I'm walking in really a false understanding of the gospel, an incomplete understanding of the gospel, and to understand that you can only wield the power of the gospel that you accept and understand. And so it's, a, it's about what you believe is true about the gospel that's going to affect your life. The things you don't yet believe about the gospel, you won't see impact you very much, if at all. And so it matters that you believe that these things are true. And so I go through my life um, with a version of Christianity that's really like, Okay, you know, I'm a Christian now, so I'm going to do these list of mostly right things. You know, here's the big ten no-nos. I'm going to try to avoid those, you know, as best I can. And, and so I, I'm, I'm chalking up a pretty positive score over here, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm breaking any of the big ten. And, and I'm doing all this awesome stuff, I feel like. You know, I don't cuss and drink, and I'm in high school, so I'm pretty much, you know, a godsend. And this is the way that I'm looking at my life in Christianity is that I'm doing all the right stuff. What I come to realize is this was a self-serving Christianity. This was not a Christ-accomplished Christianity. This is a look-how-awesome-Andrew-is Christianity. This is, was not a look-how-awesome-Jesus-is Christianity. And so here's the problem with that version of Christianity. And unfortunately, honestly, the, uh, a version that we see a lot here in the United States the problem with that is that version of Christianity will fail you the minute tragedy strikes in your life. The minute anything goes awry, you will be angry at God because I have checked off most of the right boxes. I have ignored the wrong boxes. I've been doing the right stuff. I've avoided the wrong stuff. And this is what I get as a response. This is the thanks I get. Why serve God if I'm going to do all this right stuff and then everything bad happens to me anyways. My life falls apart anyways. My family breaks apart anyways. I get bad news from the doctor anyway. What's the point of serving God if even when I do the right stuff, bad things happen? This is the problem with a self-serving gospel. But it is not the true gospel. It is not the true gospel. Let me pray for us before I go any further. I think that's important. Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are. And I just thank you that your spirit is in me and in everyone in here who believes and has received you, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak a word this morning that is received by your spirit all around this room and then transported all around this community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know anybody in your life that you would consider an offensive person? Like this is the kind of person that's like, when, when, if they're coming to your house to meet a group of friends of yours that they haven't met yet, you, like, warn all your friends that they're coming. Like, hey, I just want to tell you, this guy's coming, and you need to just be ready, right? Some of you in here are like, no, I don't know anybody like that. That's you. You're the person like that. Uh, so just a heads up there. <laughs> I, I, I've got a good friend like that. I'm not going to tell you who he is. Most of you know him. Uh, but... But, there is, but, but it's very much a, a part of some of our character. It was definitely a part of my character. Now, there's two types of offense. One, one is, is offensive out of arrogance. Sometimes you can be offensive to people just because you want to be. Like, hey, I'm not a nice guy, and I don't do nice guy things. You know, that's, we all know somebody like that, right? But there's another type of offensive. And this type of offensive is just truth. It's just truth. Truth can be very offensive. Um, and that's a lot of times what offensive people would say. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest, right? 
And so, but there's a difference in honesty and love and honesty to hurt people. We'll talk about that later. Just wanted to throw that out there. That one was free. That one was free. Um, but, but truth can be offensive. Truth can be offensive. We all agree, right? Like you know that you're not taking care of yourself, and then somebody tells you that you're not taking care of yourself, and you're like, where do they get off? Like, I didn't ask for that. You know, even if what they said was completely honest, you can still hurt us, right? You can still be offensive. But this is what I want you to know about the gospel, is that the gospel, particularly when Paul was teaching it, was very, very offensive. Very offensive. Because it was a truth that people weren't ready for. And it was spoken in love, but it still hurt them because they weren't ready to receive it. This is why the whole movement of Christianity and what Paul was teaching, what the disciples were, this is why they were trying to shut it down. you got to understand, this wasn't a world where the only two things that existed were Judaism and Christianity. There was lots of other religions. There was lots of other movements that had come before. There were people that claimed to be the Messiah way before Christ. And, and everybody's not freaking out to, to get this, this shut down. They're, they're worried about this because this is offensive and completely contrary and adverse even, opposite of what the Jewish people are teaching. Because this gospel is a gospel that destroys self-effort. It destroys our own works. Jewish people are about teaching and obeying the law perfectly. It's completely works. And so if your whole life you're being taught something or you're teaching something that is one way and you're telling people that this is absolute truth, cannot be denied, and then somebody comes behind you teaching the opposite of that, and then they start convincing the people you've been teaching your whole life that they're correct and you, in fact, are wrong, you're going to try to get, get rid of that. we got to get rid of that. we got to cut that out of here. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is what has happened at this time. The gospel is offensive because it eliminates all of our own effort. It eliminates all of our own effort. And whether we care to admit it or not, I think that that would probably offend some of us. Because here's the deal. No one in this room would ever say, Andrew, I believe in the grace of Jesus Christ, but I also believe in my own self-effort. And those two things partner together to save me. I don't think any of you would say that, if you've, at least if you've been here for any, any amount of time. But what do we say sometimes with our life? Because the thing is, is it, it, it doesn't sound like a big horrible thing to, to strive and to work hard. But if you're striving and you're working hard to reach Jesus, there's a misunderstanding, there's a breakdown in the understanding of the gospel that has happened with you. And we need to clarify it for you to be able to walk in freedom. Because the thing is, if the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's not freedom if you feel like your striving is the only thing keeping your head above the water. That's not freedom. That's bondage. That's worse than bondage. Because you're, you're on the, the brink of drowning. Your own self-effort is not going to hold you up. Now, how did this gospel land with the people at the time? Paul's coming in teaching this. It's all been done by Christ. Well, first of all, very attractive. That's a very attractive statement. All of the work, all of it, is finished already, right? It's like, Andrew, we want to pay you for a day of work. We want you to come build this pond. Plot twist, pond is actually already built. So you just show up and you just collect this paycheck. Who's not going to go? Who wants to ride with me, right? We'll load up the van. We'll all make money. It'll be great, right? If I had some stuff up here to sell you, I could have some of the most useless junk in the world, and I'm selling it, and all of you would be like, no, nah, I'm not buying any of that. But then if I said, oh, hey, you know what? All this is going to be free. Now all of a sudden you start to consider, maybe I could use that. Might be able to. That would look nice next to the old lamp, you know? It's attractive to have something for nothing. And so Paul is preaching this gospel of everything being accomplished through the work of Christ, having nothing to do with us or our own self-efforts. And right off the, the bat, this is attractive. It's no wonder that it caught fire in all of the communities. Here's the problem. is as attractive as that sounds, which it absolutely is, it was very hard for them to accept 
because it's contrary to every teaching of every other religion that's ever existed. Every religion we've ever had, any teaching we've ever had about the truth of the gospel or anything like that is all about climbing the mountain to get to God. This is the work I must do. This is the striving I must accomplish. And through my labors and my toils, hopefully at the end of it all, I will have done enough to where I can reach where God is. Christianity is about God realizing we would never make it up the mountain and coming down to where we were. That's the difference. And so there has never been a teaching like this before. And so it's like they just sat there and they're like, okay, you know, it's all Jesus. All Jesus. He did it all. And it's like they started to twitch because they didn't know what to do. And when you don't know what to do, you just start doing stuff. You ever been in a place where you were like, everybody's helping out, you're like, everybody's moving chairs or something, but they've got enough people to move the chairs, so you just start touching stuff and sliding it around? <laughs> Even though it's not really useful, you just you don't want to be the guy who's not doing anything, right? And so this is what's happening in the gospel at this time, is that, is that they're saying that all of the work is complete in Christ, rest in what he has done, and then be empowered to go forward and walk just as Jesus did, and they're still a little confused on what that means because it's all new, right? There's never been a God that empowered people before to go and, and, and do these things and spread the gospel or spread whatever teaching. They've never had the actual physical spirit of God in everyone who believes. This is all new. And so they're taking this in and they're saying, man, I, just, I don't really understand it, but I see other people doing stuff. I need to do something, right? And so they start to strive again. They start to try to work to earn again. They start to try to accomplish the things of God again. They start to add law to this grace message. And Paul has some pretty nasty words for the people who did that. It's very harsh language. It's not a good thing. It's not, if, if, we, if we add law to grace, we negate grace. If I give you a gift and then you give me money, it's not a gift anymore. Then it becomes, I, I bought this. I bought this. It's mine because I paid for it. Not because of what you did. Not because you gave it to me. This negates the very message of Christ. It's not about our self-effort. Now, the thing that's strange to me about this is that it seems so strange that someone would receive such good news that the work has been accomplished, and then, even though the law never accomplished righteousness in any of their hearts before, that they would go back to such a law. That seems odd to me, right? Does that seem odd to anyone else? Yeah, a couple of you, two of you agree. Y'all are my favorite too. But here's the thing. Does anyone remember the horrible thing that happened in 2015 in the United States? No? couple of y'all? No? None of you? In 2015, Bluebell ice cream started making people sick. People started getting really, really sick on the brink of death from delicious ice cream. But the very day that it was back in the Winsboro Walmart, it sold out within minutes. Within minutes. The very thing that nearly brought death was the very thing that without hesitation would jump back into. I, I, I give you that parallel just to understand that it's not so crazy what happened. It sounds crazy. Why would you, how could anyone abandon this great word and, and go back into what brought death? What wasn't given life? The same way that we abandon such simple things that nearly bring death. And ice cream's not bringing anybody life. But how quick of a turn was it to go back to what nearly harmed us? And this is the same thing that they're seeing at this time. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the gospel, as offensive as it was back then, is still equally offensive today. It is equally offensive today because of the works-based religious things that we have created and added to the gospel. Now, we do our best not to teach and fall into these things. And I don't mean like as this church, I mean as a church as a whole. But the thing is, is it's so, it's so tempting. It just almost seems so wrong to do nothing and receive something. 
that we try so hard to figure out these formulas and different ways that we can achieve these things of God. But the thing is, is that it, the, the thing that makes grace a scandal, the thing that makes the gospel the greatest heist of all time, is the fact that you had nothing to do with it. That you didn't deserve it or earn it in any way. That's what makes it so scandalous. Right? It, it wouldn't be one thing if you worked really hard and then made a million dollars. It would be scandalous if you did everything opposite. You were lazy. You were terrible. Yet still, you're given everything. That's what makes the gospel so scandalous. That's what makes this thing worth turning around for. That's what makes Jesus so great. We've got to get rid of all of the different formulas we've created about how to get closer to God. Because one of the biggest myths that we see in the church today is that Jesus died to give us a clean slate. There's nothing wrong with that statement unless the statement stops there. Jesus died and he did wipe our slate clean, but so much more was accomplished than just a clean slate. Because if I couldn't keep my original slate clean, what makes me think I'm going to keep this new slate clean? The good news of the gospel is that he didn't just clean us up. He then put his own spirit inside of us to make sure that we would be empowered to not mess up again. Here's the thing. When the spirit of God dwells within you, even if you make an error, sin will try to enter into you but there is no place for it to dwell. I'm going to say that one more time. Just because I, I feel like there's some people in the room that, that maybe just didn't quite understand what I'm saying. If the Spirit of God has completed you, you are full of the Spirit of God. And sin tries to enter into your life. Where will it go? There is a no vacancy sign on your heart. The Spirit of God has fulfilled it. it. There is nowhere for sin to dwell within you. Now, people will take this message. They will say, okay, well, if he's preaching that, then what he's saying is, if you accept Christ, you can do anything you want to do and it doesn't matter. Here's what I'm telling you. Is that when the Spirit of God is in you, it's not just he's in you, but you're still you. Scripture is very clear that, that we, when we accept Christ are baptized into His death and raised to new life. So whoever was here before died, and I've been raised to new life with Christ. That is what Scripture teaches. And so anyone who says, okay, well, if I accept Jesus, then I could just do whatever I want to do, that is the mind and the heart of a person who has not died. No one who has accepted Jesus, who understands what Jesus has done, will say, hey, I'm going to do whatever I want because Jesus, I'm going, to, I'm going to offend and hurt and just run through everything and destroy because, you know, it doesn't matter. No one with the mind and heart of Christ will ever say that. And so don't be afraid to preach this message. There's so many people afraid to preach this message because they're afraid they're going to get called a heretic. Well, if I preach this, people are going to come at me and say this. Let them say whatever they want. Truth is truth, regardless of how many people oppose you. Right? If I'm standing here today and I'm telling you that I'm wearing Puma shoes, which I am, it doesn't matter how many of you guys tell me I'm wearing Nike. It's me against everyone. I'm still correct. And Paul was right. Even though most people stood against him. He was correct. It didn't matter how many opposed. Paul was preaching the explicit, scandalous, offensive gospel of just Jesus plus nothing. That is what saved us. This is good news. If the news was you've been given a clean slate, good luck. That's mediocre news at best. We wouldn't be able to call it the gospel anymore. That is not good news because now we, there's nothing empowering us to walk this thing out. But, but Jesus empowers us. In Romans chapter 8, verses 8 through 11, 
says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So understand right there that if you don't have God's Spirit in you, you don't belong to Christ at all. If you do belong to Christ, the Spirit of God's in you. It's right there in Scripture. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, if the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. We, we see in Scripture, and this is just one Scripture, there's a bunch of Scripture to back up the fact that we have died and the Spirit of God now lives in us. We, whoever we were, whoever were against God, have died. Now we live with the Spirit of God in us in union with Jesus Christ. We have been empowered by God through His Spirit to walk this thing out. But this is the cool thing. Even though we've been empowered by, by His Spirit to walk this thing out, it's still not about your walking. Even though we've been empowered to walk this thing out, it's still not about your self-effort. And that's where it gets complicated for a lot of us. Is that, okay, well I see that He's made me, so, so now it's got to be about my effort, but it's really His effort, right? And so I'm still going to do efforts, but they're going to be His efforts understanding why we're obedient to Christ and why we follow the laws and directions of Christ, it's not to earn anything from God. It's because we have already received from God. Everything we do for the kingdom of God, me being up here today, I, I am not preaching to you today so that God loves me more, so that He looks at me different, so that He upholds me in a better way. I'm not doing it so that I get a reward in heaven. I'm doing this because God has died for me. God has given Himself for me. He's put Himself for me. I am dead. Whoever I was before has died. The person you're looking at right now, this is a new person with the Spirit of God on the inside of me in perfect union with Christ. That's what a Christian is. And so I'm not up here for me, for my works. I'm up here because I'm in union with Christ. And this is what Christ does. We walk these things out because you're in union with God. And now you do the things of God. Not because you're trying to earn anything from God, but because you are one with Him. And if you're one with God, what are you going to do? You're going to do God stuff. You're united with Him. You walk with Him. Not to get anything. He didn't withhold anything from you when He gave Himself. And to say otherwise is to say that God just died and gave me a small piece of him and now through my works I will incrementally through life earn more pieces of the Holy Spirit and hopefully at the end I can throw this thing together like a puzzle and do something useful for the kingdom. There is nothing like that in the gospel. It was all given on the cross. He died, he rose again, he placed his full spirit inside of you. Full spirit. 100%. When we fail to walk in obedience to Christ, it's not because of our flesh. It's not because we're waging war against ourselves. It's because we fail to understand the finished work of Christ within us. We fail to understand that we're in perfect union with God. If you still think that you are a slave to whatever sin that, that plagued your life at any point, it's because you don't understand that you died, Christ raised, put His Spirit in you, and now you're one with him. Because you would understand that Christ is a slave to nothing. And if he and I are one, then I am a slave to nothing. It's not a lack of actions. It's not a lack of effort. It's a lack of understanding that leads to our destruction. It's a lack of knowledge. And that's why we teach. That's why we preach. We want everyone to have this knowledge so you can be empowered to walk this thing out. We go through great lengths to get closer to God. You are one. You're one with God. Maybe I should do this. That's closer. You're one. If you're one with God in perfect union and He put all of His Spirit inside of you, how are you going to get closer? 
You're not getting closer positionally to God. I understand what our hearts are saying. We want to feel God more. It's a cry for intimacy. And that's okay. It's a good thing to want to feel God more. It's a good thing. But understand that that your striving is not what's going to get you there. You're not going to feel God more because you sit in a closet for 40 hours and pray Scripture. You are formulizing a, a relationship, and you can't do that. I made a joke one time when I was sitting up here talking about uh, going out with my wife, but it, it's, it's true of any relationship. If you, if you speak to your significant other and you say, what are the requirements for us to get closer? You've already messed up. You've already made an error because there's no true intimacy there. I'm just trying to see, like, give me, give me the least I can do here to feel love from you. That's not love. We cry for intimacy just because, because he is love and now he's in us and now this is all I can feel. I just feel love all the time and, and, and I've got to do something with it. And so what do I do with it? Because it feels weird to say I, I love people. It's the same thing that Christ did. That's why we can walk as he walked, because this is all I feel now. It's, it's everything in me has changed. And God, I, every, oh, every time I preach, it's just, I think about it again. I wish, I wish, I wish any of you knew me before. Because no one gets it. Because you only see me now. If you knew me before, it would make total sense. I was terrible. My own family didn't like me. Who could blame them? <laughs> it was bad, man. It was bad. I could not stop myself from trying to manipulate people. It was like, oh, man, it was terrible. And now there's nothing in me that wants to manipulate anyone, not even a little bit. Like, it doesn't even cross my mind. It's, it's, it is amazing. It is worth clapping for. Man, God is good, man. But here's the deal is that wasn't accomplished through my striving. That wasn't accomplished through X amount of hours of reading the Bible or X amount of hours of prayer or X amount of hours of counseling. It was accomplished on the cross. The thing that changed was my understanding of it. When I came to the knowledge of what happened, my life flipped around. It was weird. People call me extreme just because I'm that kind of person. If I start a new diet, it starts like right now. Like it doesn't start later. I'm not going to plant. Like it's, I'm not going to slowly break things down and change them. No, it's like right now. Yeah, if I'm if I'm gonna start writing with my left hand, it's I'm gonna hold the mic here. That's just how I am, right? This is it's 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 what has always been my character. But the thing is, is it wasn't until I came to the real knowledge of who Jesus was that I was able to make that 180 flip and head a different direction. But once I understood it, it was easy. It's not actually hard. The difficult part is believing that it's true because it is far too good to be true. It is far too good to be true. And listen to me. If you believe in a gospel right now that's not too good to be true, you believe in the wrong one. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is way too good to be true. But that's what changed me, is understanding. It was like I just bought in one day. Somebody sat in front of me, told me that this was true about me, and it was like, all right, I'm in. And some of you, like, the thing is, is that the world has convinced us, I can't, I can't get myself to switch back hands now with the mic. I can't get myself to do it. Uh, the, the, the problem is, is that the world has convinced us that, that there's, 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 it's not that simple. You got to go through a process, right? If you want to be like Christ and you want to walk like Christ, then by golly, you got to go through this crazy process, and here's, here's what I'm going to tell you, and this is really going to offend some people. I want you to know that I'm telling you this in 100% love. Again, not, not an arrogant statement I'm trying to make here. I'm not saying that the Lord won't let you go through some processes. What I'm telling you is, if you will take him at his word and believe what he says, the process isn't necessary. The process is what builds and reveals faith in us. And when we're having a hard time grasping God at his word, he'll allow us to go through these processes so that his word will be revealed to be true. Does everybody understand that? 
I'm not discounting the importance of processes. If you tell me you've been through a process, I'm not telling you you're a liar. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just telling you that if we take God at face value at his word and start walking in his word today, but everything he says is true, we believe 100% is true in our life, that process won't be necessary. Every process we see in scripture deals with a faith issue that was brought out and shown to be true to the person through the process. But if they would have just stepped out in what God said from the beginning, it would have come to pass just the same. Now you see that God said go right and a lot of them went left. And so God used the left road to shape their faith and show them that when he said go right, he meant it. And that it was going to accomplish the task it needed to accomplish. God will use the process, but he doesn't need the process. Amen. That was good. I, I just, you know, that was straight. That was straight from the tap, man. That was cool. I wasn't even in my notes, Clay. That was awesome. Ah. Tried to get me. Tried to get me to switch back hands. Galatians two twenty says, "I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." Guys, you're in union. You're in absolute union. You can stop striving. You, 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 can't, you can't get trapped in this bottle that makes you think that a lack of work is causing a lack of intimacy. It's a lack of understanding. Just, just dig deeper and spend time meditating on what Jesus did for you and what was accomplished on the cross. And I promise you that intimacy will blow up in your life. That's not a formula. That's your understanding. That's your understanding. Just spend time trying to, to, to grasp the great depths of what, what he's done. And as he, as he reveals himself, as, as you catch the revelation, he's fully revealed himself. He's not holding revelations back anymore. The great mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the great mystery hidden, hidden through the ages. It was Christ. There's no extra mystery. If, sorry if that, that bums you out because you were expecting something different. But, but, but that is the truth. It's Christ. And when you grasp that in its fullness, God, it changes everything. It changes everything. And the second we make this thing about our striving again, we start to walk in error. And people are always going to tell you, uh, and they're going to bring up scriptures. I, I can't tell you how many times I hear, well, hold on, Andrew. Easy, fellow. There's a lot of scripture in here about your flesh, too. There's a lot of scripture about battling your flesh and striving through these things. Listen to me. The battle has been won. Jesus has overcome. You've been given a new body. Your flesh is dead. What lives in you now is a perfect union with Christ. And just his Holy Spirit within you. You're not battling against your flesh. What we're battling against is a mind that thinks our flesh is still alive. If you don't reckon yourself dead to sin, you may act like you're not dead to sin even though you are. You can walk in something that's not true because you think it is true, right? If I think that you invited me to lunch at San Marcos after here, I can go. It doesn't make it true even though I'm walking in it. And so even though some of us still think we're a slave to our flesh and we see the results of that, because you still think you're a slave, you walk as a slave. You still did it, but it doesn't make it true. You are no longer slaves. You are no longer slaves. You've been set free. There are so many of these mindsets that arise because of the, the flesh that people say we're still in bondage to. Galatians says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. It also says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Ephesians says, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness in the truth. Colossians says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead 
to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Romans says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. I love that part. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So we got to die to be free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, there we go, we believe that we shall also live with him. So the question isn't whether or not it's true. The question is, are you buying into that truth? The question for whether or not you continue to be a slave to your former life is not a question of whether or not God has given you a sufficient spirit to overcome it. That's not the question. It's done. The question is, do you believe that you died? Because the moment that you believe that you died and you're in full union with Christ and His Spirit is in you, you will no longer be a slave to anything. You walk in freedom. Now you get to decide to do with that freedom what you will. But for those of you who believe, you're going to walk in accordance with Christ. Without question. Not to earn, but because you are. Not to become, but because you have already become. That is the good news of the gospel. If some of you are getting worked up right now, I apologize. I love you. And, uh, and I just pray right now a revelation of that truth uh, as you just continue to seek the Lord. Uh, I would uh, encourage you to seek out Scripture to prove me wrong. And then me and you just come and sit and talk about it anytime. I promise you I'm always available for that. And most of the revealing of the truth of the gospel that has happened in my life has been from me trying to prove people wrong. Uh, and so it, that's, that's okay. I, I don't want you to feel wrong for that. I want you to pr- continue to pursue truth. Um, and that's what I ask anybody who's in this church is to pursue truth on your own. Don't ever take my word for it because I said it. You got the word of God. Now take it, read it, and get into it, dig into it, and you'll be surprised. But what I'm telling you is, is that we do because we are not to become, right? Like apple trees produce what? Apples, right? Everybody got that. Good job, people, right? It would be strange if an apple tree produced an orange. That's not, that's not who you are, right? And apples don't have to try to produce apples. Apples don't sit there and go, mm, apples, apples, right? All right, I did it. That's not, that's not how apple trees work at all. Apple trees produce their own kind. What I'm telling you, you were a tree that produced bad fruit, and then you died and were raised to new life. You've been made something new. Now you're a tree that produces good fruit. That's what you are, and you're going to produce your kind. Don't worry about the rest. You will produce the likeness of what you are, but you need to understand what you are. Otherwise, the fruit's going to look weird. Right? And when you produce fruit in your life, how do you know, how do you, uh, I mean, how do you get the juice out of that? you got to squeeze it, right? Life's going to squeeze you. Life's going to squeeze you. Circumstances are going to squeeze you. The enemy's going to try to squeeze you. Hey, look, man, if, if the fruit of your life is Christ and the world squeezes you, then Christ needs to be getting all over whatever is squeezing you. And that's a good thing. We can be happy about that. That's the truth of the gospel, guys, is that it's been, it's been done. He's finished to work with, in, in you. The process moves us forward when our faith is lacking, but you have been made a good tree. You have been made a good tree. And you just need to walk in understanding the full union of that. Uh, uh, I want to share some things. I'm going to, I don't know why I have notes. <laughs> I think just for looks. I love it, though. Uh, I want to share some things um, that I learned from the gathering conference uh, that I went with uh, Brother Dave and Clay, and, and some of our church got to go uh, a night or so. There's some things that really stuck out to me there, and I want to use just this little bit of extra time um, to, to hit some of those things. Um, first of all, um, when we're speaking the truth of this gospel, particularly everything that we talked about today, because like I said, it is offensive to people who don't believe it. It will, will very much cause a stir. That you always speak the truth in love. Always speak the truth in love. Always speak God's word in love. Because God's word 
is a two-edged sword, and it's going to cut no matter how you swing it. If you speak God's word in love, it will cut away things that need to be cut away in people's life and, and help them to be who they are. But if you speak the word of God in arrogance or hatred, it will also cut, but that cut will bring death. It's just like a surgeon. The surgeon goes to school to have the knowledge to use that scalpel. And with that scalpel, the surgeon has the knowledge to save your life. But if the surgeon's got an evil heart, he can also use that same scalpel to end it. It's a condition of the heart. And so I would ask you any time that you're sharing the word of God, that the condition of your heart be in love and for the benefit of that other person, not so that you can be seen as correct. That's never a good reason to speak the word of God. The words victor and victim have the same beginning and a very different ending. And all of us, we've got the same beginning. We were all born into sin. And we all have the opportunity to be raised to new life in Christ and live and walk in freedom. But we get to decide what that is. Here's the thing. There is a victim mentality that circulates in the world today, and it's probably stronger today than it ever has been. We, we see so many screams and cries of, uh, of tolerance that's wrapped in hatred. But the thing is, is you can be a victor or you can be a victim in those situations. You can be a victor or you can be a victim in your situation. I'm not going to pretend to know everything everybody in this room is going through. What I can tell you is, is that Christ is enough to overcome it. That's what I know for sure. But you've got to walk in knowing that that is true. Now, the problem is, is in those situations, we rely way too much on the power of God and not enough on the character of God. And the pastor that was talking about it, he said that, that I was looking for a miracle from his hand, and I forgot that I could rely on the character of his heart. You've got to understand that God wants good things for you. This, this isn't something where God came down the mountain to his people, and then he hid. And now we're looking for him. God placed himself in you so that he would never be hard to get a hold of. You don't have to go look for him. He, he's inside of you. You can walk these things out, and you can be victorious in your life. This is something that he did for you. If you don't love God and love people, you're going to hate heaven because there's a lot of both there. That was one of my favorite things. Landon Galloway said that. Guys, I understand we're not all people, like a, a people person, right? Some of you guys are introverts. Matter of fact, I know everyone in this room that's an introvert from preaching today. Uh, it's one of the things we look for. Uh, you can tell who's responding and who's going to sit there like this. But here's the deal. Loving God and loving people has nothing to do with being extroverted or introverted. It has to do with having the heart of God. And, and there's a way to love people regardless of what your character is uh, or, or what your natural tendency is. Not everybody's going to get up and stand on the table and preach the gospel, right? Uh, there's some people that love to do stuff like that, but some of you can love people one-on-one, -on -one, and, and that's okay. But the thing is, is the call is the same. The call is the same, to love God and to love people. And, and like you said, that's, that's what there's going to be in heaven. So might as well go ahead and get used to it. Because this is a whole thing. All of this message I spoke today is not about striving to get ourselves into a place called the kingdom of God. It's about resting so that a place called the kingdom of God can get into you. The kingdom of God is, 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 is more than just a physical. It's, it's spiritual. It's a heart level thing. As Christians, we can't afford to be social media warriors who aren't willing to do anything to help the problem. Uh, this is something that wasn't such a, a, a spiritual growth thing as much as it was just a, a big in-your-face kind of moment. There's a lot of things that uh, we can be really zealous to address on the Internet and very unloving uh, when we're doing it or unloving in person. I just want to let you guys know that, that even when you're on social media, you're still a representation of Christ, um, and, and it matters uh, how we handle people. It matters how we love people. It matters uh, how we disagree with people. 
Because you can disagree with people in love. I do it all the time. There's lots of people that don't agree with me. But, but we can have good conversations and we can leave on, in a good place and still not put my stamp of approval on whatever they're doing. But the thing is, 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 is judgment in all of Scripture never changed the heart of man. And your judgment on social media is not going to help to change the heart of man either. We, it's only love, it's only grace, it's only mercy that can do these things. We'll just encourage you guys to step into that. And this is, uh, this is the last thing that I want to, uh, to share. Is, uh, in Luke, Jesus is, is walking into a town, and, and uh, there's, there's a, a young man who had passed away. And they've got the coffin, and, and he looks at the woman who's moved with emotion. She's weeping, and he looks at her and says, stop crying. Um, now, what Jesus knew that no one else knew is that Jesus is about to raise his kid from the dead, right? And so probably, uh, in my eyes, the more appropriate thing to do would just be raise the kid from the dead, and then the woman will undoubtedly stop crying, right? Because it's really weird, and I think you would all agree it would be really weird if you walked into a funeral to the mother of the child and said, stop crying, but this is what Jesus does. And the thing that this pastor had addressed through this was that sometimes it's our response that has to change before the reality can. And in our life, sometimes we have a, a, a natural tendency to respond to certain things a certain way. I understand that a lot of us through our lives have been conditioned to respond to certain things a certain way. But what I'm telling you is that if you'll change the response and understand what Christ has done for you, the reality will change shortly after. Amen? Lord, I just thank you so much for everybody here. And I just pray that, that you had spoke a message today, Lord, that would penetrate hearts, Lord. To stand here in, in union with you and, and as you're in the hearts of all these believers in the room, Lord, I just pray that there would be uh, a, a full revelation of who you are and what you did on that cross, Lord, that there's not a deeper revelation that has to come later, but there has been a full revealing of yourself to us, Lord, that we can walk in fully. And I just pray that, uh, that they would receive that and that they would walk as you walk in this world because, uh, Lord, we, we, we've been empowered to do so. And for anyone in this room uh, that has had trouble with this message, Lord, or had trouble as a believer, Lord, I just pray uh, that you would just show yourself to them and that they would believe in you in a way that they never have before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.